Good morning, church. Oh, man. I need a second. <laughs> Try to gather myself, man. That was no joke. Was... God is good. Amen. Isaiah chapter 44, verses uh, 6 to 8 tells us Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. And it was the middle of the night last night. And, and uh, you know, I sleep with the Bible app on and I woke up to that. And it just blew my mind. You go through the, the, the book of Isaiah and kind of over and over. That's a theme. <laughs> there ain't no other God. There ain't no others. Me and Mark were talking about it in prayer. And, and, and you know, um, in, that, in that same chapter, God's talking about woe to the man that, 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 that gets wood. <laughs> he fashions wood and makes it and carves it into an image. And with that same wood, he heats himself to stay warm. And then he bows down to that wood, even though that wood doesn't talk back. Church, there is but one God, the God of the universe, the God of Israel. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it mistaken. There ain't many gods. There's many false gods. Many people believe in false gods. Some people don't believe even God exists at all, which is besides me, because your own makeup tells you that there's a God. Your DNA reveals that there is a God. But the Bible is rich with truth. Amen. We, we need to allow the word of God to speak and minister to our hearts in such a way we know that we know that we know. Because when the enemy comes in, what did Satan do with Eve? He wants you to come into agreement. He wants you to question. Did God really say? Is the Bible really valid? Is my faith really true? You know. If Satan can get you to question, just for an instance, you've already took the bait. He's already got you. So the more and more you and I get this word deep down on the innermost part of our being, when Satan comes lurking around with these little comments, I was talking to Eric before the, before the service, he's the accuser of the brethren. If he can't get you to come into agreement and question He's going to accuse you. He's going to hurl false accusations. But if you have the word of God deep down on the innermost part of your being, hidden in your heart, you will be able to combat any form of opposition you will ever face. Do you realize that you are invincible in Christ? That's who you are today, church. If you don't know that, you better get that deep down in your soul that you're invincible. Will we die physically? Yes. Will we get gray hair? Yes. Will we physically get weaker? Yes. But I'm not talking about the physical. I'm talking about in the spirit. In the spirit, you are invincible. 
Because Christ goes before you. He's invincible. He's defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. That's what Christmas is all about. Yeah, the tree's cool. I don't care about the tree, though. The lights are cool, but, you know, that, that's, all, that, that's all extra. That's icing on the cake. The real gift is his presence. The fact that he deemed it important enough that he would come into this world that he created and said, man, I'm going to take on human flesh. I'm going I'm to redeem, redeem these people. I'm going to save them. They cannot save themselves. Hollywood could never drum up a story like that. Amen. This is where we want to be, church. Ultimately satisfied in Christ alone. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit has to say to the church. All right, this morning we'll, uh, we'll be in Ecclesiastes chapter 6. We're starting a new chapter this, this morning. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a great time in, in this book. Um, it, it's been very sobering and humbling, uh, to say the least. Uh, again, without a proper biblical perspective, when you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, it can, it can seem very morbid and it can seem downright depressing. But again... Viewing this book through the lens of the Holy Spirit, there's much to cheer. Uh, It just depends on your perspective. So nonetheless, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 6. We'll be going through verses 1 down through 6. If you have a Bible, please uh, crack it open. And if you don't, if you got it on your phone, do whatever you do. Put your code in. If you don't have that, the the text will be uh, behind me. And uh, this message is entitled, Apart from Jesus, Life is Meaningless. Church, hope you know by now, every week, that's all I got, which is everything. I don't ever have a flashy message. There's never going to be some whimsical thing in the text. I'm just going to continue to expound upon what I believe the Lord has shown me and the Lord shows me, man, life apart from Christ, man, it ain't nothing. So when you get there, please stand for the reading of God's word. If you're able embodied, able to, if not, it's all good. And we'll go ahead and read our text. We'll pray and then we'll get into the heart and the meat and potatoes of this word. So it says, there is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man who God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity, and it is a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, It has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good. Do not all go to the one place. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, this text is very weighty. This text is a crystal clear warning to all who hear it of the importance of what we value in this life. 
Is it you or is it stuff? Father, forgive us if our priorities have been skewed. Help us, give us a convicted heart to repent if we're not seeking you above everything else. Father, I pray that your word would go forth and produce so much fruit that in your economy, it would be pressed down, shaken together and running over in our lives. So, Father, please now, would you take the wheel and you speak through your vessel? It's in Jesus Christ's precious name that I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week. We learned that uh, it is a gift from God to be able to eat, to be able to drink and to enjoy enjoy your lot in life. Even even if you got to eat and drink through a tube, probably is not fun. You know, I don't know if maybe some of you have actually had to be in that position where you're in a hospital bed and they got to feed you through a tube. But even if it's that bad, again, perspective is everything. God, it's a gift from God to be able to do that and enjoy your lot in life. We learned that no amount of, uh, 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 of external possessions will ever produce within the hearts of human beings the joy that we're actually desiring. Everybody wants to be filled with joy. Everybody wants to be happy. External things will never produce the kind of eternal joy that we're set out looking for. You see, the source of all true, lasting, eternal joy comes from Father God. Jesus Christ is the means to the end. We're trying to get back to Father God. We're trying to get back into a right relationship with Him. We're trying to spend eternity with the Godhead. And so that's where it comes from. It comes from Him. It comes from His throne room of grace, His throne of grace. It's, it's, it's a trip how Revelation talks about. It, you know, it depicts John, the Apostle John, de, de, uh, uh, depicts a rainbow around the throne of God. And all that comes from God. All that emanates from him. We were encouraged that for the ones who cling to Jesus Christ as their means of life itself, they will be filled with everlasting joy in this life and the life to come. If you look to him to be your all in all, you're going to have everlasting joy. You're experiencing it on a day to day basis, regardless of your circumstances. And so continuing in the same theme from last week, today we will look at how it is a great and evil thing to accumulate wealth, to accumulate possessions, and to accumulate honor bestowed upon yourself, but not be able to have the power to actually enjoy these things. You see, it is God alone who gives the power to enjoy everything, everything, (laughs) Everything, everything, everything. Yes, you want to enjoy every single thing in life. It comes from the hand of God. You got a cup of noodle. You can't enjoy that cup of noodle on your own. It's God who gives your taste buds the ability to enjoy. Oh, man, that 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 salt tastes so good. Well, you know, you know, in, in, in prison, they make, you know, they make the spread. You know, you can't enjoy that spread on your own. You can't. You really can't. It comes from the hand of God. He gives you the power and the ability to do it. You see, and how living this life without an eternal biblical perspective is actually the very worst thing you could possibly do. If, if you don't have a biblical worldview, 
you're setting yourself up for failure of the worst kind. You're going to be hoodwinked. You're going to be deceived by all these other voices. We need to allow the Holy Spirit, the one true voice to speak into our lives. Amen. We have several main points. And the first one is this. It's not material things, church, that are irreplaceable, but rather the ability and the time to enjoy them that is irreplaceable. It's not the stuff, no matter how valuable it may be, no matter how whatever they deem this to be this much amount of you know, dollars worth value. It's, it's, it's the ability to enjoy it. And it's the time, the time to actually be able to enjoy and bask in that enjoyment and the enrichment of whatever that is that's at your disposal. What do I mean by this? Well, the reality is time is really all that we have. When you, when you kind of really break down all the nuances of what's going on in your life, time is all you got, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm 45. If... My cap is 80. I already done lived half my life. I got more days behind me than I got going ahead of me. And for some of y'all, y'all got a way lot less days ahead of you. (laughs) And for some of y'all, a few of y'all, you have a lot more days ahead of you than we all have. (laughs) But at any rate, (laughs) the truth is, it is God alone that he, 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 he's the one who sets the limits on the time that each and every person has in this life. We know that from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, and it reads, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So that whole reincarnation, you can just throw it out the window with that one verse right there. You ain't coming back as no butterfly. You ain't coming back as, you know, I mean, whatever you know, somebody else. No, it's not, it's not happening. You got one chance at this thing. So utilize it. We can go home. (laughs) That's, that's, that's the the crux of the message, (laughs) but it's true. So being that we, we have a limited time on this planet, you and I would be wise to utilize the time given to us to the best of our abilities. Amen. Use your time wisely. This is where we see our scripture this morning come into play. You see, Solomon said all mankind must deal with this. There's no one exempt. Everybody face, has to face this. Whether or not you choose to deal with it or you, try, you choose to turn a blind eye, that, that's, a, that's on you. But every single human being is exposed to this reality. Whether or not uh, we believe it's true or not, it's not going to change the fact that it is true. Like death comes death comes you only have so much time you see god gives whatever measure of wealth possessions and honor to some but they are not given the opportunity to enjoy these things and he says that this is a great evil so what's the deal what gives i thought god's good god's good right god's a good god so what's the deal why is god allowing these people to amass all this wealth all this prestige but yet they can't enjoy it Is he playing a nasty trick on these people who are not able to enjoy the fruit of their labor? Some people think so. They would say like, you know, God's up there laughing and, you know, no, that's not it. I think not. This is the truth, church. 
The problem is these individuals, again, my finite thinking, I can't, it's hard to kind of explain it, but, you know, so God's all-knowing. So he sees the end from the beginning, right? Amen? He knows eternity past, eternity future. He knows what's in the hearts of men and women. So the problem is, that these individuals who have amassed all this wealth and all this prestige and all this honor, they are so consumed with living for this wealth, for their possessions and for honor, that they do not acknowledge God and the fact that all these things come from him. And God knows it, and God knew they were going to do that. So just like Pharaoh, because the Bible says, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Moses hardened his heart, and God hardened his heart. Well, which one is it? Because God created everybody with free will. So we know man can't harden another man's heart. So even though he says Moses hardened his heart, it's a play on words. Now, God allowed Pharaoh what he wanted. And the same thing with these people here. So because they're so consumed with all this wealth and they don't want to acknowledge that it comes from God. So he doesn't give them the power to enjoy it because he knows it's like you're not being a good steward. You're not going to be a good steward. So I'm not going to allow you to enjoy it. Just like there's some people that cannot come up in the church house because the Lord's like, I already know. You're not, you're going to despise me. You're going to reject me. I know who's mine. My sheep hear my voice, right? That's what the Bible says. They're going to come. So if you're not coming, that means you ain't one of his sheep. Now, can you possibly potentially be? That's between you and the Lord. That's in his infinite plan. But the Bible don't lie. If you're not responding, look at the fruit. <laughs> I mean, it ain't rocket science, church. We're not, we're not doing quantum physics here. It's very simple. If the fruit don't match what's really going on, then it ain't there. You got to see it like that and match it up always against the Bible. Everything I say, you better match up against the Bible. Everything your spouse says, your family says, you better match it up against the Bible because the word don't lie. And hopefully, Lord willing, if we're wrong, we'll repent and change. If not, well, you know what the word says. Again, because they're, they fill their lives with stuff instead of God himself, they're unable to enjoy these things. And this is a great evil. That's what Solomon says when this happens. You see, instead, we need to learn to be content and pursue God. I love these verses. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. It says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. See, it's like you just need what you need. <laughs> you need what you need. You don't need too little. You don't need too much. Whatever your lot is, just allow the Lord to give you that and be content with that. Amen. All right. The second main point is this. If you live many years but never come to be satisfied in Christ... A person who has never been born is better off than you. If you've lived 99 years, I think back in Genesis, I don't got Daniel here. He's online, so he can't fact check me. Maybe someone else can. But I do believe in Genesis, um, it says that, you know, the Lord capped off people at 120. You ain't going to live past 120. So you can live 120 years. But in those 120 years, if you never come to be satisfied in Christ alone, this text this morning says, a stillborn baby is better off than you. Lived all those years. Did all what you want to do. I mean, look at the, uh, you know, old boy that had Lazarus at his, at, 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 his, uh, you know, at his front door. He always walked over him, despised him, never helped him out. And then when, it, when, when he died, what happened? 
went to Hades. He said, man, give me a cup of water <laughs> so I can put my finger in. Just, ah, no, nah, man, there's a, go back, tell my brothers, man, there's a great chasm, man. There's a great, you, this can't happen. If they're not going to listen to the, to, to Moses and, and the Old Testament prophets, they're not going to listen to you. And so we need to understand this, church. Again, it comes back to time. Utilize the time that you have. Utilize the time and the breath in, the, in your lungs that you have to come to a place where you become satisfied in Christ alone. Because if not, a stillborn is better off than you. This reality shows us the importance of having an authentic relationship with Father God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, the reality is, Many fail to understand this. They, they fail to understand that we were actually created to have full-on, unhindered fellowship with God. That's why we're created. We weren't created to make a lot of money. We weren't created to come up with all these new designs and whatever it is. We weren't created to go fly fishing. We weren't created to you know, be all into fantasy football. We weren't created to watch HGTV and be all into that. We weren't created to knit and all that. Those things are good. I'm not saying those things are bad. Listen to me, church. The main reason we were created was to have unhindered fellowship with God. We were not created to live a life of sin and then just to die. That's the bag of goods that Satan sells to every human being. Do what you want, do what you please, live your life how you want to, enjoy whatever you want, and then one day, don't worry about it, you're just dying and it's going to be all good. No, we were not created to simply do whatever we want and live however we want to please our fleshly desires in our hearts. This is, not, this is why nothing apart from God himself can actually satisfy the deep longing desires of our hearts, because it's him, he completes us. He's the one who makes us complete. He's the one who makes us whole. He's the one who makes it all make sense and, and, and you know, uh, whatever. The real warm and fuzzy feelings, the feelings that you get of contentment, of peace, of love, of joy, of patience, the fruit of the Spirit. It's Him. And, and that, that comes in when we stay connected, when we get connected and we remain connected and we don't go, you know, oh, I'm connected now, I'm going to break off and do my own thing. No, like that song said, man, my heart is prone to wander. Lord, help me, man. Help me, Lord, because my wicked heart is always getting, you know, I get consumed with all these other things. But, Lord, I need to be consumed with you because you're the only one that can really fortify and sustain me and give me what I really need. We don't even really know what we need, but we need him. We think we need all this other stuff. Oh, if I could just get, you know, this and this, that and the other together, then it'll be all good. No, if I could just submit my life before Jesus Christ and Father God and actually really have a deep, lasting, authentic relationship with him, then everything will be right. That's what we need, church. And, and, and it's a spiritual battle, so it doesn't come easy. Because Satan will do everything he can to get us to keep the book closed. He will distract you and I in every which way. Even be good things, but it's like it's still a distraction. We need to, that's why we have to carve out the time. We have to carve out time if we're serious about our relationship with God. Because in the end, you and I benefit so much by spending intimate time alone with the Lord. It's a discipline. When you look at the word disciple, what is the root word of disciple? Discipline. You got to discipline yourself. Your mama can't do it. Your daddy can't do it. Your hubby can't do it. Your grandpappy can't do it. Your best friend can't do it. Your pastor can't do it. You got to do it. 
You have to develop a disciplined mindset in the spiritual realm and your thinking and what's important and what's going to sustain you. Because trust me, Weight Watchers ain't cutting it. And for me, lifting weights ain't cutting it. I've had to I've had to cut back because I'm like, man, my shoulders messed up. I'm like, everything's that you 45 and now I'm feeling everything. Everything's just, just I'm like, man, all these push-ups, it's like I'm just wearing down like cartilage or bone or something. And the Lord's just like, what he brings he brought to mind that verse. He's like, well, you know, whatever, physical, you know, activity benefits somewhat, but how much more spiritual? So I'm like, okay, Lord, so you're basically telling me. That I don't need to be lifting all these weights thinking I'm 22 years old still. I'm like, well, you know, yeah, you take care of yourself, but there's no need. <sighs> Anyways, I digress. <clears throat> <sighs> this is where and why every time someone who chooses to live out their free will, right? We all have free will. We weren't created as robots. You can do whatever you want. You do whatever you please, Right? But every person that lives out their free will and goes against God, their lives end up in disaster. Their lives end up in disaster. Now, it'll be like the, it'll be like the prodigal son where there's a season where it seems like, oh, yeah, I'm getting mine. I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to the Raider game in Vegas and I'm doing this one, blah, 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 you know, whatever. But, but in the end, that person suffers that person brings death and curses upon themselves because they've gone against the true and living God. They've chose to be defiant and live a lifestyle that is apostate against God. And that's not a good thing, church. Think of it this way. It was so important to Father God that he gave his only son to die in our place, to pay the penalty for our sins so we can be reconciled back to him. That's how important this is. That's how important you are to him. That he gave the one thing that was so important to him. He gave his only son. Think about it. Would you give your only child for somebody else that you don't even know and say, go ahead and let this, let my boy, let my girl be crucified on a tree and, and, and die a horrible death so that this person, I don't even know that this person's a horrible person so they can be saved. You wouldn't do it. I, would, I wouldn't do it. I'm going to tell you straight up. I would not give either of my kids up to die a wretched death like that for y'all to be saved because I'm not, I, don't have, I don't have that heart like that. But that's God's heart. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's what we're waiting. That's what he's waiting for. He's waiting for the fullness of Gentiles to be saved. Then all the other stuff in Revelation is going to continue to happen. Then Israel's going to get saved, and all this stuff is going to be done. Uh, you already see what's happening over there. And praise God that there are more people uh, 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 of, uh, of, of that background that are coming to know Jesus as Savior. But eventually it's going to be, you know, the fullness of Israel is going to be saved in one day, the Bible says. You know, so again, temperature check. Whenever you want to really know what's going on in the world, peep game on what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on in Israel. Because what's going on in Israel is a telltale sign that's going to have a ripple effect for the rest of the world. It is. There's just no way around it. It's biblical. It's prophetic. Regardless of who wants to say it's not. And they make it a political thing. And blah, 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 blah. No, it's not. 
check what's going on in Israel because it'll tell you what's really going down and match it up with scripture. And you're like, whoa, God, this is too crazy how all this stuff just plays out because it's too real. Again, so Father God gave up what is most precious to him so we could be made right. And for people to basically, for people to deny this, or I hate saying this, but I don't know other way, no I don't know any other way to 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 illustrate it for people to just spit in God's face and reject his son is the greatest offense one could commit against God to have the truth revealed to oneself over and over again and only to reject it. Now, that is the only unpardonable sin that is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that's impartable to 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 have your whole life. Be told and be shown and be revealed to you and you just continue to say no, continue to say no, continue to say no. If you die in that state, that is not a good thing. That is the only thing that is not forgivable. It is for this reason that we read in verse 3, if a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. You see, you could live 200 years on this planet, but if you feel, fail to recognize that all your satisfaction truly comes from being reconciled to Father God through Jesus Christ alone, then you have unfortunately missed the whole point of living. And that's so sad. I talk about it all the time. You can have a bust in, in, in Canton, Ohio and be in the NFL Hall of Fame. But if you're not a Christian and you're not truly saved, you've missed the whole point. Yeah, you did. You, you accomplished great things by man's, you know, by what man thinks. But when it comes down to what's really going on, you've missed the whole point. All right. The third main point is this. Again, a life lived with a, without a biblical godly perspective is, is a wasted life. This is a similar point to the last, but it's equally equally worth stating. An example, everyone, everything God does is good. Everything God does is good. Everything. And he gives. Everything that God's created gives. Think about it like this. The sun gives light. The plants give oxygen. The trees give fruit for food and give shade for comfort. Rivers provide water for drinking and etc. Satan, on the other hand, does nothing but take life. He's not a giver. He's a taker. He's a taker and he brings about death. You see, the, 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 the origins of pride, pride comes from Satan's discontented, rebellious heart. That's where it comes from. Remember when he was in heaven as Lucifer? He was discontented and, and, and he was rebellious. And that's where pride comes from. You see, pride left unchecked gives way and eventually will corrupt mankind, and that's what brought about sin, because it was left unchecked. Sin produces death, both spiritual and physical. But because God is perfect love and mercy, He's put before every put before every human being life and death, blessing and curses. He allows us to choose our fate. But when we choose selfishly and wrongfully, it's a waste. I'm sure you've heard stories. I'm sure you maybe know people in your own life that had so much promise. Oh, you know, Billy was going to be in the, you know, MLB. He got drafted by the Orioles and, you know, he just it just went all down the tubes because he just became a drunkard. Or, you know, that's just an example. But I'm sure, you know, many people had so much promise and so much talent, but they ended up wasting their lives and their talents. Those sad stories are 
are a reflection of, of a life not centered around Jesus Christ. Hopefully, praise God, some of those stories, they got on the right track, they got saved. Maybe they didn't become that professional baseball player, but they got saved. And what I, like what I just said, that's way more important than a, achieving any kind of human accolade. But for those that don't, it's a sad state. It's a sad position to be in to have all these gifts and all these talents and just waste it. And it goes flush down the drain. You see, many people want to live life to the fullest. The problem is they have a very distorted view of what living life to the fullest actually looks like or what it means. Many simply think it means to do whatever you want, whenever you want. That's living life to the fullest. If I can get what I want, when I want, do things when I want to do it, how I want to do it, that means I'm living my life to the fullest. But you see, that kind of lifestyle, church, actually develops into a dependency and bondage. It develops into a dependency of needing that stuff or needing that thing or needing that influence or needing that power. And when you don't have it, you just get sucked up. And that's the reality. You see, people will be like, I can't live without a drink. I can't live without a hit. I can't live without an iPad. I can't live without my iPhone. I gotta be, I got, I gotta check TikTok. I, I, I have to, I have to check my feed. It's only been 35 minutes, but I think I got new subscribers. I, I gotta get back on there. I gotta make more money. You see, I got, I got more kids. I gotta make more money. I have to. I gotta buy more stuff. I mean, it, Black Friday, 60% off. I mean, I mean, are you kidding me? I could just put it on my credit card. I'll pay it off in two months. I mean, come on, let's do it. The list goes on and on. The truth is, church, we are all dependable. And that's okay. The question is, who or what are you dependent upon? For the believer, it is clear we are dependent upon Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith and the sustainer of our lives. John chapter 17, verse 3 tells us, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. All right, let's go ahead and look at these verses a little bit closer now. So we'll go back to verses one and two. And it says, there is a great evil that I've seen under the sun. And it lies heavy on mankind, a man to whom God has given, who gives wealth, possessions and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them. Oh, gosh, that's sting. That, uh, uh, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. OK, let's look at this first little phrase. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun. Again, this this phrase under the sun has everything to do with uh, with a secular worldview. Like under the sun, un, uh, under the sun, everything that goes on in the earth. To view life from an under the sun perspective means that you view life only from here and now. You, you don't have an eternal perspective. This is a viewpoint and mindset that is completely separate from God, lacking, again, like I said, any uh, eternal perspective. Notice that even in the under the sun perspective, there was a great evil that all humanity must consider. Nobody's exempt. If you fall in this category that you've been born, you have to face this. You have to fess up and deal with this, church. The great evil is this. 
One can be allowed to receive and accumulate wealth, possessions, and honor, and yet not be given the power to enjoy them. It is important here, this is, this is important, church, don't miss this, that the scripture tells us that those individuals do not lack time, but they lack power. You see, it is God who gives the power to enjoy anything we have been given. But if we fail to honor him above everything else, we will not be able to enjoy whatever he's given us to a lot in our lives. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 18 says this. They know not. And this is this is in regards to what I was talking about way earlier in the message about those who uh, create, you know, idols and false gods. Right. This is talking about them. Because they choose to make false gods, because, and we, we don't worship statues and little things like this. We can worship, you know, um, iPhones and we can worship American Idol or we can worship, you know, whatever, football players, basketball players, models, whatever. But anything that takes the place of God is an idol. But this is in regards, this verse is in regards to those who choose to have false gods in their lives. It says, they know not, nor do they discern for Speaking of God, he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see and he's and their hearts so that they cannot understand. You see, God knows in his infinite wisdom. He's like, OK, I know these people that are doing this and that are going to repent. But I also know these people that are doing this and they're not going to repent. Those who are not going to repent, man, I'm just going to shut them down and I'm going to just let them live their lives like that because their their hearts are already bent towards me. They're hell bent on doing their own thing. So I'm going to give them what they want. That's what happened to Pharaoh. You want that? You really want that? I'm about to open up this sea. My people are going to walk through and all your folks are going to get swallowed up. Your firstborn and all your household is going to die. It's like, dude, that should have been enough, man. But he still was like, I got to go after it. So that, is that not bent on doing your own thing? It's like, dude, it ain't working. That's why I just lost Kalos because I'm doing my own thing. And I'm going to still be like, okay, I'm going to go and still do it. It's like, that's a heart that does... That, that's the heart that's so far from God that, that they don't want to come back. And that's not good. We were talking about stuff earlier. I won't get into it. But the, some of the stuff that's going over, on over there with Hamas and you're hearing the stories of what these men do to these people that they capture. That's somebody that's gone. They're gone. You don't do those kind of things. I mean, it's basically like necromancing. You know, you're sleeping with dead bodies. It's basically to that extent of the stuff that, I mean, if, you, if you've read, if you've heard the horrific stories of what's gone on over there, I mean, how do you do that? How do you do that? You only do that with a seared conscience. Because if you have a, if you have a conscience, if you, if you can sense conviction, if you're a Gentile and you can sense conviction, you know that is not right. But don't do that. You wouldn't wish that on your mama. You wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. But yet these people are animals and they're doing ungodly things. That's the same thing here. So God says, no, you're not going to be able to, to discern me. I'm shutting your eyes so you can't see. The eyes of your hearts are closed and you cannot understand the truth. So this tells us, church, the importance of decisions we make and the time we are given to make them. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 tells us, look carefully then how you walk, not as in not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. You see, we got to make good use of the time that we have, church. 
what we read, what we view, what we listen to, who we hang out with, how we, who we spend time with, right? You that have families, you that have big families, you know you can't be everywhere at once. You have to delegate what's important each and every day. It's like, I'm going to give my time over here because I know it's beneficial. I'm not going to give my time over here because this riffraff. No, I'm not getting down like that. You're not going to get me sucked up in all this nonsense, wasting half my day running around town, running and ripping, doing a bunch of nonsense. No, we have to be wise church of know how we spend our time and the decisions we make. The application is this. There is a common theme we must understand in God's economy. If we walk in obedience and choose wisely, we will be blessed. But if we choose to distance ourselves from God by living a disobedient lifestyle of any kind, we will suffer and we will be cursed. Not making good use of our time leads to making poor decisions that end up affecting the rest of our lives. We've all been there and done that. I know I've made some horrible decisions that I've had to suffer the consequences for. You can't make a dumb choice and not think there's going to be a consequence you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to pay up at some point. So now that you're saved, don't live a disobedient lifestyle because your poor decisions, my poor decisions end up affecting the rest of our lives. You see, this this theme moves far beyond just relating to money, possessions and the misuse of time. In the book of Isaiah, we we see this happening with a false prophet. I'll I'll, kind of speed it up just to give you, uh, you know, an idea of what's going on here. But um, God literally cut short the lives of of Shemaiah because he tried to get the chosen men of God to believe a lie. He's a false prophet, basically. And he did not repent. And God's judgment eventually came upon him. Uh, Zephaniah, the priest at the time, read a letter at the hearing of Jeremiah, and the letter basically exalted this man, um, uh, Shemaiah, and criticized Jeremiah. But it was a lie, so the judgment of the Lord came upon him. God directed Jeremiah the prophet to respond with a prophetic declaration against this man, and God would punish this false prophet and his family. The whole family would die out. All of his descendants, they all died. No descendants, and they would never see the good that God would do for his people. This is a clear warning for us today. Choose honoring God over wealth, possessions, and status. You see, instead, we should be thirsting for Jesus Christ, who is the only one worthy of pursuing. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 and 2 tell us, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and you labor for that which is not satisfying? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. The reality, church, is this. What are we living for? How much of our energy and our time and our resources are being given over to things that will not last? The truth is, the more and more that we live, we see that everything changes and everything changes so quickly. Beauty fades. Money situations change. Health conditions change. Jobs change. Everything based on circumstances is always changing. Circumstances are always changing. 
In fact, anytime we find our peace or sense of identity in something circumstantial, we are setting ourselves up for a fall because circumstances will never stay the same. This is why in Isaiah 55 verse 2, what I just read, he says, Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Church, don't give yourself over to things that don't last. I know it's a challenge, but don't don't give yourself over. I'm challenged with this every single day. How am I going to spend my time? How am I going to am I, am I going to utilize my time in this way or am I going to be doing these other things? And I'm sure you deal with this every day as well. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The application is this today. Be encouraged to be completely all in for God. Don't hold anything back from him. Give him your time, give him your talent, give him your treasure. Give your life entirely over to God. Because Jesus says in Luke chapter 13, verse 24, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. You don't want to be one of those people that's seeking to enter, but you can't get in. You only get in because you have an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, with God the Father. You can't just pursue all this other stuff and then all of a sudden on a dime turn and be like, I'm going to change. You can't. I can't change myself. You can't change yourself. It has to be an impartation of the Holy Spirit to literally come in and resurrect your dead man, your old Adam, and and, and make you new in Christ. And if we play games, dibbly dabbling with all this other stuff and thinking we're going to just all of a sudden get get right with God when it counts, that's you don't want to do that. You don't want to you don't want to be playing with God. You see, God is commanding us to call out to him now while we can, while there is still time. Because at the end of the day, everything but him is fleeting and temporary. Don't hold back. Eat what is good. Seek God with your whole heart and he will delight and you will delight yourself in his abundance. You will. That's the payoff. That's the benefit is that you're going to be abounding in joy because that's what God produces in those that he loves. It's not a drudgery to serve God. It's not like, oh, I got to read again. Really? I really wanted to watch that game. It's like, dude, the game, you know, the NFL games are so boring nowadays. I do not watch a whole game. I'm sorry, I do not. I may watch most of a college game, but it's hard to keep my, I mean, it's just horrible because you got to lay the quarterback down in a bed. They're going to be wearing flags in a minute. Anyway, that's a side note. Sorry. But it's not entertaining. But the Lord, he's new, he's fresh, his word is living and active. You always get something new. I've, I've, man, I've read the same chapter over and over and over again for like the last 13 years. And every time I read it, I get something different out of it. It's never the same. It always adapts to where I'm at right now. And it's like, wow, Lord. Wow, Lord. Oh, I thought I got over that. You're like, no, you still got a little bit of that dirt in your heart. Okay, Lord, I give it over to you. I repent. This is how you stay free of pursuing the wrong things in the first place, by delighting yourself in him. When you delight yourself in God, you free yourself from following after all the other stuff that don't even matter. Make God alone be your portion. Amen. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 tells us, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. 
You see, church, many of the problems we have stem from our exclusive focus on ourselves and our own problems. When we're always talking about I, I, me, I. But in order to live happy and fulfilled lives, we need to care for and help other people. We need to live out Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. The reality is the happiest people in the world are the ones who make other people happy. (laughs) Most people go through life asking themselves, what's in it for me? That's what we see in our text this morning. The individual amasses all this stuff for themselves, but because their focus was on the wrong things, God did not give them the power to enjoy them. This ultimately leads to a shallow existence and a feeling of emptiness. Life lived as all about me will be a very lonely experience. Instead of asking, what about me? We need to ask, what about we? What can I do to help others? How can I brighten out someone else's day? How can I make the world better for people? How can I show kindness today? You see, every time we bless other people, we also receive blessings. And the more we give, the more we will receive his peace, his love, and his joy. Amen? The Bible's clear. It's better to give than to receive. All right, let's look at these last three verses. It says, if a man fathers, in verse 3, if a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in the darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good. Do not all go to this one place. Okay, so I know that this is a lot to stomach, but we're going to break this down. And the Bible itself is going to make it applicable and understanding. So it says first, if a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, and then, you know, whatever, he has a lot of long years, but his soul's not satisfied with life's good things. He doesn't have a burial He's worse off than a stillborn child. This is an important perspective that Solomon is telling us. He's basically saying you could live two whole lifetimes. You could have hundreds of children. But if you are not satisfied in your soul and you don't have a burial, man, you're worse off than someone who's never been born. So how do we wrap our minds around this? what, What does this actually mean in the 21st century? Well, obviously, we look to Scripture. This is a side note. But for the sake of I believe the Lord showed me as I was studying this is important, I will reiterate this to you. Always, always, always allow Scripture to support itself. The Scripture will back Scripture up. This text, there's other Scriptures that back it up, that support it. It's not my opinion. It's not any of that. It's the Word of God that's supporting itself. You see, if you don't understand a portion of God's word, pray to Father God for wisdom and discernment, and he will reveal to you through the text itself what it means and how to interpret it correctly. Amen? When I was studying this section, the Lord brought to my attention Abraham. Remember what Yahweh promised Abraham. Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk 
before me and be blameless that I may make you uh, make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell down on his face. And God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come to you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and you and your offspring and after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. I know that's a mouthful, but just 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 let the word of God speak to you and see how this all connects and how it reveals itself. This is the complete opposite of what is going on in our text this morning. But why? Well, for starters, when God approached Abram, his response was immediate humility right he didn't ask no questions he didn't talk back he didn't say anything what did he do the text says he fell down he fell down on his face prostrate before god as a symbol of humility of holy fear of honor and reverence for the lord the individual that solomon is describing does not seem to have that humility at all the text says nothing about the person humbling themselves before god Also notice through Abraham's humility, there is a joy and an appreciation for God simply for who God is. You see, many times people seek after God for stuff. They seek after God for this, that and the other. They don't they're not seeking God just for fellowship with God. See, that's where we want to be, church. We want to seek after God just to have fellowship with him, not because he's going to bless this, that and the other, but just because we want to know him. We want to be enriched by him. You see, Abraham honored the Lord way before the Lord approached him with the covenant. Both individuals had lived many lives and both received a great inheritance of succeeding generations. But it was Abraham who was blessed, not the individual in Ecclesiastes chapter six. Why? Again, because of a holy fear of God. Remember what the word of God says. Proverbs chapter nine, verses 10 through 12 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is insight for by me your days will be what multiplied and your years will be added to your life if you are wise you are wise for yourself if you scoff you alone will bear it the application is this because abraham feared god he was given wisdom and knowledge of who god is The individual in Ecclesiastes chapter six lacks the fear of God. So there is no wisdom and there is no knowledge of God. All he has is a bunch of stuff, yet he lacks the power to enjoy what he has worked so hard for. And even if this person lived two lifetimes, they would not be satisfied with God himself or the things he provides. Yet the person who fears God, Yahweh himself will multiply their days and their years will be added on to their lives. The wise person is wise for their own good, while the scoffer will bear the fruit of their scoffing. Next, we see this person in Ecclesiastes chapter 6 is compared to a stillborn. Solomon here, and I want to be sensitive about, about this topic, he is no way being insensitive to anyone who has ever had to suffer through a miscarriage. Okay, so get that out of the way right now. The point is, life that was conceived... 
but was never born simply does not know the pain of suffering in a sin-fallen world. That's what he's saying. However, the Lord works it out that that soul goes straight to be with him. And we know that. I know that this wasn't a stillborn, but when David was mourning, right, the baby, what did he say? He said he, he, he mourned and then he stopped mourning. He stopped the sackcloth and ashes. He got up and ate and then his servants came and said, what are you doing? He said, I know I'm going to go be with that baby one day. So we know that, you know, uh, again, um, they haven't reached the age of accountability, right? Children, people want to say, well, do they go to heaven? Well, of course they go to heaven. They're not, you know, or, 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 you know, the Bible isn't specific on this as a side note, but people with mental disabilities, people who are disabled, things like that, people with autism, people who can't think cognitively straight. Those people, I believe the Bible, they're already accounted for, you know. But if, as far as you and me, people who are neurotypical, once you reach the age of accountability, nah, man, now you got to make the decision is like, you going to serve the God, God or not. But with this stillborn, they never knew because they were never born. And the Bible says that this person who lived a full life was worse off than the stillborn. We need to live a life in a position where we recognize all of the great miracles that Father God provides for us daily. I love this verse right here. Genesis chapter 29, verse 35. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased to bear. This is this account of Leah is very encouraging, right? That's what the name Judah means. Therefore, I will praise the Lord. We all know, right? Right. She wasn't the pretty one. (laughs) You know, nobody loves me. But then Jesus came through that line. <laughs> Jesus came through that line. And the Lord's like, nah, man, I got, I got a special thing for you. you. You don't need man's love. You need my love. That's another side note. Maybe you're in here today and you feel like you're not loved. You feel like you haven't met your match. You haven't met your partner or whatever the, whatever the thing is where you're looking for love. Let God love you. Let the God of all creation be the one who secures you. Let him be your portion. Then whether you find the person or you don't find the person, you're going to be filled with him. Immerse yourself in God and he will supply your every need. I don't know. That's a word for somebody. I don't know. But the Lord just laid that on my heart. So I said it. This account of Leah is very encouraging. You see, the Jewish, the Jewish sages commented on this with this statement leah became the first human being to ever praise god how can that be leah really certainly there were others before leah right like abraham we just talked about him isaac but this is this is the thing while other people had in fact praised god they had only done it so in response to unusual miraculous events there were big miracles and so they responded Leah was the first to praise God for the commonplace wonders that happen every day. She gave birth. That was a common thing. I mean, do you know any other way to come into this world? (laughs) I mean, even if a test tube, you still got right. I mean, I'm not going to get into all of it, but you still got to come through the womb. So that's the only way to come into the world. So that's a very common thing, right? There's so many babies born a day. But she was so elated over this common miracle, this common blessing that she said, now I will praise you. She gave birth to a healthy baby boy and recognized that she had experienced a miracle. The application is this church and I'll I'll, I'll end. I'm winding it down right now. The application is this. We must be aware and praise God for the everyday miracles he provides. Again, waking up today, eating, drinking, breathing, 
being able to see, being able to hear, being able to receive love, being able to love others. And the list goes on and on. Lastly, in ancient times, to die unburied was the mark of a despised and unmourned person. But remember our Savior, Jesus Christ, when he died, his followers made it a point to ensure that he had a proper burial. John chapter 19, verse 38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretively for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away the body. And what did they do? They anointed him. They made sure that all the preparations were there so he could have a proper burial. And that's when he went into the cave as, as far as in the flesh, his physical body. Again, the main point here is better to miscarry at birth than to miscarry throughout life. Mark said something interesting to me this way. He said, <laughs> he said, there's a three-year-old. <laughs> three-year-old was talking back. I had to, you know, discipline the three-year-old. This three-year-old started crying. I said, better that that three-year-old cry now than become 30 years old and cry for a lifetime. See, there, it's important. Discipline is important. And what this is what the text is talking about. Better to have miscarried at birth than to live two whole lifetimes, but you miscarried the whole life because you missed the whole point and you were not given the power or the ability to enjoy all the good things that the Lord had bestowed upon you. Unfortunately, this is what this person here, what happened to them. They didn't trust in Jesus Christ alone. May we be those who truly put God first in our lives so we are able to experience his love his joy, his peace in our lives now and forever. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for just uh, the opportunity to know that you're real, to know that you speak to us in such a mighty, magnificent way, to know that your word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts to the heart of the situation and it reveals what is really going on. Father, would you mend our broken hearts? Would you heal our wounds? Would you bandage us up and make us new again? Would you make us and create in us a clean heart and renew in us a right spirit? Father, we need you and we call upon your name because you're the only one who can fix our broken situation. We thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.